This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Childcare can cost more than rent. It can even cost more than college tuition. It's one of the biggest expenses and worries for families. So how do we end America's child care crisis? Well, Governor Pritzker is taking a step towards that goal, making permanent a pandemic policy of $1 per month child care for lower income families. We're ensuring quality child care is accessible for more people, allowing more people to return to work without worry about where their kids will go during the day and helping Illinois' child care network rebuild. Terry Sable specializes in early childhood ed policy. She's an assistant professor in the School of Education and Social Policy at Northwestern University. Terry, what was your reaction to Governor Pritzker's announcement? This policy is really good news for families with young children in Illinois. Currently in the United States, and Illinois is no exception, there is no universal free child care system for families with children birth to five. And what this means, this lack of child care options or public child care options means, is that families are spending a tremendous amount of money paying for child care out of pocket. Low-income families spend around 30% of their household income on child care for their children. And for higher-income households, they actually spend quite a bit less, around 7%. And so what this policy is attempting to do is really level the playing field and reduce the economic burden that many families have in terms of paying for child care. It is such a cost burden. Now, this COVID recession, Terry, it's the first recession where women's unemployment actually went up more than men's. Can, can there actually be an economic recovery without us solving this child care crisis? There can't. I think COVID really shed light on the fact that we need child care in order to have a vibrant, healthy economy. And historically, child care really wasn't seen as a crucial investment that was underpinning Americans' growth and productivity. And so one of sort of the unexpected twists during COVID is now we're seeing several policies at the federal level through Biden's uh, American Family Plan, through our Secretary of Treasury, Janet Yellen, saying that child care is one of the core elements of the strong economy. And so we're seeing a much stronger push for a focus on child care and rebuilding the child care system. Mm-hmm. And I think Governor Pritzker's policy is part of that broader mission of, of really trying to build a robust child care system. What long-term ramifications could we see after so many moms have dropped out of the labor force this year? If we don't build a robust child care system, moms cannot return to work. Parents need to know that their, their children have a safe, secure place to go while they enter the workforce and while they work. And child care fits the bill for that. It provides both a high-quality child care provides a place that allows parents to work while their children are uh, attending high-quality, enriching, engaging childcare experiences that can be good for their development. You've studied what's called childcare deserts. What are those, and where can we find them? <laughs> well, they're everywhere in Illinois. So uh, a childcare desert means that for every three children 
there is only one child care spot. And in Illinois, about half of all children live in a child care desert, meaning that even if parents do want to send their children to a child care, there might not be a good program. And this is particularly true for rural areas in Illinois and also for families who are low income. Mm -hmm. And so in order to really build up that stable child care system, we both need to provide the funding, which is what this Pritzker policy does, but also ensure that children have access to preschool programs. Wow, with so many child care deserts in our state, where do we stand overall when we compare to other states on, on supporting early childhood education? In terms of child care deserts, we look pretty similar to nationwide. But I do think that this policy that Pritzker has proposed or that has implemented that will reduce the economic burden, puts us ahead of many other states that are really relying only on federal funding, which does not get you very far in terms of providing free child care for low-income families. How does the U.S. compare to other countries when it comes to early childhood policies? So we spend about 0.5% of our gross domestic product on early care and education, which is uh, about half of what all industrialized nations spend on their on early care and education. When you look at countries like Iceland, Norway, Sweden, they spend about four times what we spend on early care and education. Wow. Meaning that, again, families are having to foot the bill for something that is just simply not offered by the federal or state level. It's just not seen as a priority here? That traditionally has been true. But I have to say I am optimistic in this moment that we're seeing a number of exciting policies that really are trying to remedy the gap and, and create a more robust child care system. Well, Terry, in a moment, we're actually going to hear from uh, a daycare provider and an advocacy group. Uh, but before I let you go, um, what are some other early childhood government solutions or policy changes that you want to see? So first is that we need to pay our teachers and we need to train them. So currently in Illinois, the average child care wage is around $12 an hour. We just simply cannot build a robust child care system if we do not compensate our teachers. And second, we need to focus on quality. It's not just the provision of child care, but ensuring the kids are attending high quality, supportive, cognitively stimulating, play-based preschools that are really good for their development as well. Well, that is Terry Sable. She's an expert in early childhood education policy at Northwestern University. Terry, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Right now, I'm going to bring two other voices into the conversation. So joining us is uh, Teresa Ramos. She's vice president of public policy and advocacy at Illinois Action for Children. Welcome back, Teresa. Hi, thanks for having me. And also here is Rochelle Galladay, owner of Cuddle Care, which has two daycare centers on Chicago's South Side. Welcome, Rochelle. Hello, how are you? Teresa, I'll start with you. Uh, give us the details about the governor's child care announcement that we were talking about earlier. Sure. It does uh, a few, I think, things that are a big deal. It reduces families' payments, so co-payments that they have to pay, even though on a state subsidy program, uh, to $1 per month for families who, who have incomes below 100% of the federal poverty level. And then it also makes sure that those families who are part of the state subsidy program who are making between 100 and 200 percent of the federal poverty level really are not going to pay a substantial portion of their income. It would, they would be capped at paying no more than 7 percent of their total income, which is a huge uh, deal. It also extends the cliff for when they no longer become eligible to participate in the program. Right before this announcement, it was at 225% of the federal poverty level. Now it's at 250, which just for some context, a family of three at 250% of the federal poverty level is about $54,900. It also increases, the announcement increases the reimbursement rates for child care providers who have to uh, submit reimbursements when there's 
serving a family who qualifies for a subsidy mm-hmm. and helps, you know, give a little bit of predictability to providers by how they count enrollment and attendance in the program. So all in all, a nice suite of supports for families and child care providers. So j- just so we're clear, the new policy impacts not just people below the poverty line, but up to 250 percent above the poverty line. And that's correct for a family of three. You said that's just just under fifty five thousand uh, a year as far as that's right money they're bringing in. Now, families between the poverty line and the two hundred fifty percent above it, they will have their child care capped at seven percent, right? Correct. Their co payments will not be um, more than seven percent of their uh, income. And like I said, for those that are between zero and one hundred percent of the federal poverty level, it'll be one dollar, which is great. Yeah. Families that go over have it's a, a different story, but we think this is a really good first step. So what kind of impact is this going to have on Illinois families overall? Child care is essential for all of us to go to work if we have families. Uh, and even then, child care is very expensive. The last risk and reach report out of Erickson Institute said, you know, Illinois has one of the, the eighth highest most expensive costs for child care, especially for infant and toddler care in the country. The average cost of care is just under $14,000 a year. We think this brings a lot of stability for families who are, you know, trying to uh, make ends meet, especially during a recovery. Uh, So we we are, I think, thrilled for uh, parents and families and providers. Rochelle, you serve quite a few families who are eligible for Illinois' child care assistance program, um, both those who are receiving the $1 a month child care because they're below the poverty line, as we discussed, um, and those under that 250% income rate who have their, their child care tuition capped at 7%. How important do you think this policy was for your families during the pandemic? This was wonderful. This We want to thank the governor. I know when I, I speak for other child um, care providers that we really want to thank the governor for this. This is something that we've been asking for for a long time because we know that the co-payments are a burden for some of our parents. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable and we were really grateful. We saw it happen during the pandemic, so we knew it was something that they could sustain and it could, could continue. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the pandemic, Rochelle, and and what you were seeing, what was the impact for your daycare centers and, and the struggle to remain open? It was terrifying at first. I, I have to admit in March, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to start or, or what to do because we are paid based upon attendance. And so if the children can't come to school, you know, how could we get paid but really grateful for the different creative uh, ways that the governor's office did come up uh, with allowing us to get funds. A lot of us weren't set up to ask the SBA for loans or to go to a bank for loans. So those childcare restoration grants that they put out there for us were a godsend. Mm. Uh, And we were able to pay our employees. There were some employees that were afraid to come back to work Um, So, you know, they bowed out coming, but there were some of us that hung in there and we were just grateful for it. Teresa, did the pandemic widen the disparity gap of who has access to good child care and who doesn't? Uh, I would say yes, but what I would also say is that there's a lot we still don't know about the impact of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Action for Children, I think our latest assessment of how um, participation in Childcare, the child care assistance program, but lots of early learning programs really did drop 
throughout the course of the pandemic. And so we just know that we're serving less children and families right now for uh, uh, probably many reasons that we know of and many that we don't as a result of the pandemic. And so there's a lot of work to do. And I think the governor's office and many folks are thinking about how do we get families and children back into care and into, to Terry's point, you know, quality care settings, um, because we've just seen a real drop in participation in, in all care types throughout the uh, pandemic, which we know from many stories has had an impact on women and mothers especially, but on families across the state. Well, this new policy is, is also going to raise child care reimbursement by 3.5%. But, Teresa, not all of the, the child care providers are going to accept this higher rate because that would mean that they would need to increase the tuition rate for their private payers as well. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. It's, yeah. it's uh, really complicated. And, and we want to long term, you know, we think these are really good immediate steps that the governor has just announced. But long term to build, you know, back a better, more sustainable system. One of the things that we have is uh, you, you're not allowed to charge the state uh, a higher reimbursement or tuition rate than you charge, you know, a, a private pay provider. So that really does mean, though, for many folks and families across the state, as soon as you get over that 250% of the federal poverty level, you're working hard, you're a family of three, maybe you're a single mom, and you make $55,000 a year instead mm-hmm. of 54900 you go immediately into full pay mode, you know, pending negotiation, but you no longer qualify for the child care assistance program. And you could then at that point really spend 20 to 25% of your income on child care for one child. And so even though these rates go up, those private pay families might not be able to afford paying an, an additional three and a half percent. And so the provider is stuck with them not accepting uh, that rate increase because they don't want to charge their private pay families more. Well, Rochelle, why don't you weigh in here? Is this is this a struggle for you? Are you going to accept the rate? Yes, I'm going to accept the rate. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have um, parents, my private pay, are able to keep up with the economy and uh, the raises. But what it does uh, for those that are not able to accept it, it makes it worse for us in the workforce. We can't pay our staff livable wages without these increases. And I've seen these increases since 1996 because that's how long I've been in business for over 25 years. And it's a shame. Um, that they're not going to be able to accept it, but also their staff will have to remain at a low poverty living wages. Let's hear from a caller who's standing by. Jocelyn is reaching us from Evanston. Hi, Jocelyn. Welcome to Reset. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to add a complication that some people don't consider. I know for Illinois Action for Children, um, you have to be working full time in order to even be eligible to apply for assistance with childcare, which for many people, especially a single parent, how can they do that? I mean, so some people, I do have some single parent friends that have either had to move in with other people and they're living in you know, a situation that's really not healthy, or they have literally lost their apartments or lost their homes because they couldn't get childcare assistance because they weren't working full time. Mm. And you can't do that without childcare. Thanks for your call, Jocelyn. Uh, Teresa, did you want to respond? Uh, I think Jocelyn is totally right. It is one of those policies that we think has to change. Illinois Action for Children helps process 
some of the child care assistance programs um, applications for Cook County, the state and feds regulate that you have to have a job in order to qualify or have to have, you have to work. And so it is a challenge when you are searching for work. If you don't have care, it's hard to search for work. And we've heard this time and again. So I appreciate Jocelyn, you raising it. It is absolutely one of those policies that we do think has to change as, especially after the pandemic, as people are searching for, for work, they need care in order to do that well. Yeah. I mean, my hat goes off Teresa, to, to the child care providers, of course, who've they've just been doing heroes work since the start of the pandemic, Agreed. especially. But if providers are reluctant, though, to accept the rate increase, how do we make sure daycare workers make a livable wage? So that is a great question and part of, I think, a much longer you know term strategy that we need to start acting on immediately. Just at the end of March, uh, Governor Pritzker had a funding commission that ended and made uh, sweeping recommendations for how you would transform childcare and early education, you know, not only as a result of the pandemic, but because there's just such a lack of a system. And there are things that we need to do, really including giving providers much more dollars to support quality care, living wages, salary and benefits. The way that we fund folks, the child care assistance program is a reimbursement program mm-hmm. rather than, um, you know, a direct upfront program uh, like some K-12 schools uh, get funded. And so there are, are several, I think, policy changes that would streamline the process and allow providers to, in, you know, increase uh, the, the quality of services and to have less bureaucratic hurdles and getting paid yeah. um, that would allow them to you know, wait, raise wages for their staff. I'll give you the last word, Rochelle. I agree with everything that Teresa said. There are so many more things that can be done to help with the workforce and for those that are not you know, taking the, the increase. Um, if we can waive co-pays for parents for 60 days, you know, that would help with those. Uh, and as well as the caller that mentioned uh, the schedule and making, giving care for uh, full-time and, and those that aren't working full-time, even those that are attending school as well. We need so many different things. I'm glad we got to start here, but there's so much more uh, that needs to be done. And the commission that was put in place, they did make some really great recommendations. And we're just hoping that the governor's office is definitely still looking at those recommendations as well. And we look forward to the many things that they're gonna implement to help us with workforce and to help us simplify things for parents. That is Rochelle Galladay, owner of Cuddle Care, and Teresa Ramos, Vice President of Public Policy and Advocacy at Illinois Action for Children. Thank you both. Want to hear more conversation around the stories that matter to you most? Make sure you're subscribed or tell your smart speaker to play WBEZ's Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for making us a part of your day. We'll meet again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.